unconditional sense. And he didn't have as complete a book as we have, but what he had was enough to tell him that God was the ruler and that God was accomplishing things and that things could be changed by the Word of God. And so he's in the Word of God, and this is how he knows. I want to tell you something. We are in the same situation today. If the only place that we're listened to is Fox News, and I'm not condemning them at all, but they are not the source of wisdom. The source of wisdom is the Word of God. And we must be in the Word every day. I don't care if you're 8 years old or 80 years old. There is one place we should be every single day. And that is in the Word of God. It is the only dependable, accurate uh, testimony of the reality of what's going on around us. And it's true even in the disaster that we are in as it was in Daniel's day. Let's go on to the third verse. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fastings and sackcloth and ashens. Daniel was a very distinguished man. He was very learned. He was learned in the ways of the Jewish people. He was learned in the ways of the Babylonian people. He was learned in the ways of the Medes and the Persians. He was a man that because of his great gifts that God had given him was placed in positions of power repeatedly. He understood and saw things that no one else around him. And what we find here in this third verse is a very, very intelligent, distinguished gentleman who's also very humble. And so it says that he set his face unto the Lord to seek. I want to tell you this morning, if we would have an instant cure for coronavirus, that would be wonderful. But if there would just be one man out of this worldwide mess who would bend the knee and seek the face of God, I tell you, I think the Lord would rejoice. It is so Amazing how simple Daniel presents this situation. Let's go to the fourth verse. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We see here that Daniel recognizes in his great wisdom and great power and humility and everything, he, he realizes that God is sovereign over the affairs of men. Do you know that God is still sovereign? That he still reigns over the affairs of men? That it has not changed, that it has nothing to do with political party? It has nothing to do with the authorities of, of military might? What we really need is is a man to come on the scene who is truly, truly humble that would reign out of Jerusalem over the affairs of men. He's coming. His name is Jesus. I want you to notice something else in this fourth verse. He said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. So the question I have this morning Church, in the middle of the disaster, you know what he says the answer is? It's men and women, it's boys and girls, it's all races, peoples, and creeds that love him and that keep his commandments. Dear Lord, the solution is so simple. 
It is so powerful. This morning, I have a question that's really simple, and I need to ask it of myself as well. Do I really love him? If I love him, I will keep his commandments. And he, he presents this, this Daniel, this great humble man. He says, my goodness, this is the answer. Verse 5. And he said, we, I'm just going to stop there. We have sinned. There's something about a leader, a godly man, a godly woman, in whatever capacity of leadership it is, that identifies with her people, with his people. And this man, Daniel, he hadn't done anything wrong. And he says, we have sinned. This is a pattern we're going to see all the rest of the message today. He takes on the sin of his own people. I don't know what your prayers have been like in the last week. Oh, Lord, find a cure for the coronavirus. Oh, Lord, uh, help us to get through this mess. But Daniel said, oh, Lord, we have sinned. This is the spirit of Jesus Christ. That when he died on the cross, he took on their sins that were not his and bore them. And the church is called today, in the age that we are in, the church is called today to carry and to confess the sins of those around them. Church, how are we doing? Are we just like the world, we're just asking to have it fixed? Are we crying out and saying, we have sinned? Crying out to the living God to carry the message of the penalty of the awful things that are happening about us. Remember, God is sovereign and he is not shocked. Let's read the rest of that verse. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled, even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. We're going to talk about it a little more. There's a lot of this passage this morning that's negative. There's a blessing in the end. Stay with us. But I want to tell you this morning, I cannot it be said the same thing this morning. If we, if we would confess before the Lord, Lord, we have compromised, we have rebelled, we have altered, we have changed your word, we have manipulated things to our advantage, we have not bowed the knee, we are not fully obedient, our loves are not first to you. This is what the church needs to be crying out, this is what Daniel was crying out. If we want to bless our society today, I think the same pattern has to be followed. Verse 6. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Uh, Daniel could say this with authority because he was a spokesman, he was God's spokesman, to both Jew and Gentile, great and small, powerful and weak, conquerors and the conquerors. And this is what he says. He said, we have not hearkened unto thy servants. This is just an opinion of mine. I think in every situation, in every age, 
In every disaster and everything, God raises up someone, or maybe several someones or a bunch, I don't know, that's up to him. But they raise someone who testifies of him. And the cry today is for the church to be that someone. We are to be a testimony to him in the midst of trouble. And this old world is full of trouble and it's getting worse. You don't even have to be a believer to hear people say, my, how things are changing. And I wish they'd go back to where they were. And the answer is the living God. And we must proclaim that. No one else is going to. The devil's not going to. The unbelievers are not going to. The compromised church is not going to. It has to be someone like David or a body of someones or a lot of someones that are bowing before the Lord that are humble. The cry this morning is that we would humble ourselves and say, Lord, we have sinned. I will, I, I will confess that about my neighbors. I'll confess it about my family. I'll confess it about me. I'll confess it about the nation. God hears that. I don't understand. But I know it's the pattern of my Lord. It's exactly what he did. Verse 7, O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion, or the translation here maybe should be shame of faces, as at this day to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespasses that they have trespassed against thee. Daniel had to look and remember his childhood, I think. And he looked at his time in Israel as a young man. And he, he looks around and he sees a non-repentant society that's contrary to his boyhood memories. So he has a choice. We all do. We have a choice, and that is to become absorbed by the society around us. We have a choice to listen to the world's wisdom. We have a choice to compromise the truth. We have a, a compromise. We have a, a choice to uh, no longer stand firm regardless of the cost. And so this is what's happened here. But the thing that's impressive in this, this verse, is verse 7 with, David, with uh, Daniel, was that he never lost sight of the city of God. I want to ask you something. Have you become so involved in the trouble that's around us in your own life, in your family? We all do that we've lost sight of the city of God, that we've lost sight of the new Jerusalem, that we've lost sight of the gospel message, that we've lost sight of the message of the cross and the resurrection. I tell you, we can do it every day. We can become so absorbed and so upset and so agitated and so disappointed in everything that's happening around us that we forget. And so he says here, we have, we have trespassed, and we are shameful, and we are confused because they had lost sight of Jerusalem. God help us to renew our vision of the eternal plan 
of God. When we no longer have a long-term view of God's plan and God's purpose and God's man, which is the Lord Jesus, we not only lose our vision, we become confused. And our society has lost the vision of Jesus Christ. And yes, we are confused. And it's God's people that must be calling others back to the truth. Verse 8. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion, there it is again, shame of face, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. Um, people ask, you've heard this statement, I'm sure, probably a number of times in a number of different ways, but people ask this question. They say, well, if God is so loving, where is he now? I'm in trouble. If your God is a God of love, why in the world do we have coronavirus? And the answer to that is, is not going to be acceptable to them, I understand that, but the answer is, oh Lord, we have sinned. That's what we find in this passage. I wonder if the church is crying out, oh Lord, we have sinned. Or are we just like the world and say, Lord, take care of it. We want to go right on just the way it is. Everything's great. Verse 9. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Uh, this is the only time I'm going to break from this ninth chapter, and we'll come right back to it, so you don't need to turn there. But I want to read a passage in 2 Corinthians 10.1. By the way, I was made aware of this. I was talking to my 90-year-old brother, and he said, I just saw this first verse in 2 Corinthians 10, and he said, I'm thinking about it all the time. And so that's how I arrived there. Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And I just pray, I just, I just read, or God said, mercies and forgiveness. Do you know what? I'm going to read a definition. This is actually out of MacArthur. The definition of meekness. The humble and gentle attitude that expresses itself in patient endurance of unfair treatment. A meek person is not bitter or angry and does not seek revenge when he or her is wronged. This is a perfect picture of Jesus. Do you, do you realize what's happened in this ninth verse? Daniel had been talking about how we have defiled the character of God. And now in this ninth verse, he starts to make a turn. And he's talking about the character of God that we so desperately need. We need the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. We need the mercy and forgiveness of God. And so in this ninth verse, he makes a complete switch. And he says, I'm going to appeal to your character, O Lord. Because you are right to absolutely add on to the 70 years. You are right to absolutely destroy us and destroy Jerusalem and destroy America and destroy everything else. God has righteousness to do that. He began earlier and he said, you are righteous. But he looks at it and says, I only have one hope. Brother and sister, we only have one hope. And that is the character of God that loves us. That will forgive us. That will extend mercy when we don't have, have it coming. 
When he has it within his power to destroy us and with meekness and gentleness, he, he alone absorbs the pain. And that is the reason that Daniel could pray, we. Because the character of God will take the punishment of the sin of others. Isn't that amazing? This is what we, isn't this what we need today? Well, we're talking about a, a fix for the coronavirus. I would to God that the church of Jesus Christ would fall on its knees like Daniel. And we would say, the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. Oh, Lord, we have sinned. Verses 10 and 11. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey the voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. All of the things, the bad things that have happened to the human family that are happening and will happen have been foretold by God. That's what Daniel says. When I look at, when I look at Moses, what he wrote, he says, I, I know we got this coming. This is what you said you'd do, God. You're doing exactly what you said you'd do. God is absolutely faithful. And if he's absolutely faithful, he will live up to his words, even the things that we don't want to happen. Oh, dear Lord, the result of our disobedience was foretold, and this is the kicker. We are still in rebellion. Oh, Lord, we have sinned. Help us, Lord, please. Help us, Lord, to cry out to you, the living God, to apply the character of your being that says, I will extend mercy where it is not due. That says, I will be gentle when I should be harsh. The spirit that died, that allowed our Lord to die on the cross. And that needs to be ours. Let's read verses 12 through 14. And he hath confirmed his words which he spake against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. And I think probably some of the margins in your Bible would say a disaster. That's what's being cried out today. We've got a disaster. And so he says, our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster or evil is come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Wouldn't it be something if in the midst of this mess that we are in right now, there would be people by the millions that would bow the knee and say, I know it's because of our sin. And God would hear. He has promised to do that. So who's going to do that? It has to be the body of Christ. This is a cry to us, by the way. I'm not here this morning to condemn the world. I'm here to send out a cry to the body of Christ that they would cry out to God. They would confess the sins. And the hope of the whole world could be seen in the person of Jesus Christ. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth. For we have not obeyed his voice. 
disaster is because our God is faithful to his own word. Amazing, amazing. Verse 15. And now, O Lord our God, thou hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand. And has gotten thee renown as at this day, and we have sinned, and we have done wickedly. I wonder how many times I've heard in my lifetime that the United States is a Christian nation. Because it was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, uh, because people escaped a persecution, Christian persecution that came here, and, and I read this passage, and that's what, that's what happened to Israel. God had greatly blessed them and brought them out and lifted them out of Egypt. And you know what this last verse, this 15th verse says, the last part of it? We haven't learned. We're still wicked. We still need a Savior. And this is what I want to say about this 15th verse. The goodness of the past will not cover the sins of the present. The goodness of the past will not cover the sins of the present. Verse 16 through 18. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee. He's still interceding. He's still praying. He's still reaching out because he loves his people and he loves the Lord. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain. Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now, therefore, our God, I just want to stop there. Doesn't that fit today? How many times in the name of Christianity have things been done that are wrong and sinful and permissive and ungodly? And then the name of Christ is smeared. And people say, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And this is Daniel crying out that the Lord would forgive that. That there would be a repentance in his people. We still need it today. 17th verse. Now therefore our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplication and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. And he stops here. Where is that temple? Where is that sanctuary today? It is you, the living God, that have come to him, and the Spirit of God dwells in you. And if we read this chapter, he is crying out that the Lord would bless that sanctuary, that he would bless every believer. Why? For the Lord's sake. For his glory. What, what about all the mess it's in? What about the people that are sick? What about the people that are dying? It is bad. Do you know there is an eternal hope for every one of them? If they will say, I have sinned, and they come to the Lord, and his, their, their temple is cleansed, and they have an eternal hope. Is there anyone, anything, any institution, any power, anything else that you can think of that has an offering to the human family like that? Nothing. We stand on the side of the greatest victory that has ever been dreamed up. No science fiction, nothing can match it. 
Nothing. 18th verse, O my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousnesses, but for thy great mercies. I love that. I love that. I underlined underlined that. We do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousnesses, but for thy great mercies. I, I don't know about you. I don't have anything to present to him. I can't say, Phil, here's Phil's righteousness is the Lord. I want you to, to do really good things. We're talking about this because I, I've been a good guy. I can't do that. Do you know what he does here? He again appeals to the character of his Lord. And he says, for the great mercy that you have extended to me, that you have extended to Jerusalem, that you have extended to Israel, that you have extended to all the believers everywhere, for that great mercy that you have given us when we did not deserve it, Lord, for that very reason, will you bless us? We honor your name. This is a plea that somehow is acceptable to God. And I contend it's exactly what we need today. I don't know of any other hope, even remotely. So we come to, I, I guess there's two things I, I really ought to speak about. Because what, what's happening here is that Daniel's coming to the end of the seven-year um, completion. And he sees that Israel is, isn't repentant. And we, we look around the Lord has taken us, this nation through world wars and he's taken us through depression times and he's taken us through tsunamis and economic disasters. And there's just been one thing after another when we, when we look at our, our history. But somehow we're, we're, not, we're not more dedicated as a nation. We aren't. I know that's negative, I'm sorry, but... I think it's the truth. So what, what Daniel does, there's two things. And this is amazing. He said, Lord, I know that you're going to be true to your word and what you promised. And so when he sees all the sin around that was around him is around us today, there is going to be bad times. It's going to happen. God promised it. We have to believe it. The second thing that Daniel saw here is that he appeals again to the other side of God's character, and he said, Lord, pour out your mercy. Pour out your mercy. I don't know. Maybe there's people in your life this morning. You know who they are. It might be someone very, very close to you, and you love them. You love them with an unbelievable passion. What are you going to do? Do we have anything except to confess to the Lord the sin and to plead for mercy? Is there anything else? And he's the only one that can fix it. We say fix it. <laughs> the way we do that is the mercy of God, the grace of God. Last verse, 19th verse. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not. For thine own sake, O oh my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. And I'm just going to summarize that and say our plea must be for the glory of God.
Every single soul that repents. Everyone that confesses their sin. Everyone that feels the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. It is to bring glory to God. Lord, let your glory magnify itself. Let it burn among the nations. Let it burn among the people. Let it fire the church of God. I want to close with a statement I heard from Tony Evans this week. He said, crisis creates opportunity for caring. And you know what that does? That puts a blessing on the crisis. Lord, help me to care like Daniel did. Help me to have a passion to share the burden, to share the sin. To say, it's me, Lord, it's me. Please come in your gentleness and in your meekness and in your mercy and your forgiveness. And take these old bones and lift them into glory to give you honor forever and ever. And it's offered to every man. And in the midst of this coronavirus, let's remember. Let's remember the coronavirus is not the catastrophe. The catastrophe is the sin and that people have rejected the Lord. And we must cry out to God. The body of Christ must cry out for salvation because no one else will. Brother Bart. certainly say amen, Brother Phil. Uh, what a pattern, what a message there is in the ninth chapter of Daniel for the church today in this current setting. I jotted down a few things as we went through this study together this morning, and possibly you've done the same thing. A real message for each one of us individually and also collectively as the church. Daniel chose ahead of time to trust God. I don't know what your trust level is this morning in, in the current setting that we're facing. And you know the coronavirus has kind of derailed our thinking. It's kind of taking us away from possibly all the other concerns and fears that's been binding the church. Where are you at trusting God? Choose ahead of time. And if there's young people listening this morning, choose ahead of time to trust God. Daniel chose ahead of time to be obedient. Simple obedience. And sometimes we don't like that word, but really God expects his church in this time to be obedient to him. Choose ahead of time to obey. Daniel chose to confess. He was quick to confess, and really that's what this chapter's about for himself and for the people. Daniel chose ahead of time to humble himself, and I appreciated your comments, Phil, on humility. We must soften ourselves. We must see ourselves small before God. We must see him bigger than any of our challenges, any of our problems, any of our mountains. Humble ourselves before God. What a pattern. Daniel chose to pray. And I suppose Daniel is known for this. 
But I ask each one of us, are we known for our prayers? Pray. Daniel not only humbled himself and prayed, but he prayed regularly. Daniel chose to speak the truth and to sound out God's message. Daniel chose to devote his life to his Lord. Regardless of what others thought, Daniel chose to follow after his Lord and devote his life. Daniel chose to not compromise with society. Again, I appreciated your point, Phil. And today it's just so easy to to blend in and, and allow society to rub off. Daniel chose not to compromise with society. Daniel, and, and this is probably the overlying theme of the message this morning, it was really about focusing on the character of God, wasn't it? Daniel allowed the character of God to shape his own character. Again, that's a message for our young people this morning, but it's also a message for middle-aged and older ones as well. Daniel allowed the character of God to, comp to shape his own character. And the last thing I wrote down as a pattern, and I know I, I didn't get probably all of the message, was Daniel did not lose sight of the city of God. I don't know where you're at this morning. Sometimes we can get depressed. Sometimes we can get down and out. Don't lose sight of the city of God. There is no greater hope than the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have now currently in this abundant life as well as looking forward to that city of God. Revelation talks about a city coming down out of heaven. And that city, I believe, is the people of God. Don't lose sight of the city of God. Be like Daniel. A couple other quotes that I wrote down is, God, help us to renew our vision of long-term, your long-term eternal plan through Jesus Christ, the Savior. The sovereign plan of God. Another point I wrote down is the goodness of the past will not cover the sins of the present. I think it'd be good if we would remember that, church, as we live our lives, regardless how good you've been in the past, regardless how good your parents or grandparents have been in the past, the goodness of the past does not cover the sins of the present. Really, the message was about focusing on the character of God and His goodness and His mercy towards us, confessing our sins and coming under that shed blood daily in our life. Repent of our sins, the call for the church to repent, get right with God, be devoted to Him, and then sound out the gospel message. There is no greater hope in this time and in the future than the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have through his shed blood 
and through his resurrection. Do you realize that as depressed as we may feel right now with this coronavirus, we're living in a victory that's already been planned out for us. There is no greater victory than through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's come before him again in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you again this morning. We just thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you for your character, for your mercy, for your grace, for your love, even for your judgment in times that we need it and your discipline that you bring into our lives. We just thank you that you are perfect, that you're whole, that you are eternal, that you're all-knowing, that you know our end even before we do. And we just thank you, Lord, for your sovereignty. The list goes on, Lord. We just thank you for your character. And I just pray this morning as I stand here in a nearly empty room, and yet we, we trust through the Holy Spirit that there are, are people praying everywhere. I pray that each one of us would come before you humbly, and we would invite you into our hearts, and that, that, Lord, day by day, you would use your character through your Spirit to sanctify us, and to shape our character. I pray, Lord, that in these times that, that you would use each one of us to be a light to the world around us. Thank you for your shed blood, Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I just pray, Lord, that as we conclude this service, that the message that's found in the scriptures of old, in Daniel chapter 9, that it would come very near and dear to each one of us and that we would live tomorrow differently than we have in the past. I want to pray, Lord, for our little congregation here at Cornerstone. Yeah, we miss gathering together. I pray, Lord, for the little ones and the youth, for the parents that's raising them and, and for the middle-aged, and I pray for the older ones that's in our congregation that can't get out as much. I pray for their safety, especially in this time, all of us together and other visitors that's listening. Father, this is a unique time, and I just uh, pray that each one of us will just trust you more every day and that you will keep us safe, you will protect us as individuals, as the church, as the nation. And even globally, Lord, that your healing touch and your protection will come among us. I pray all of this through the worthy name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Regardless of where you're at this morning, let's pray the Lord's Prayer audibly together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the glory, forever. Amen. Again, we want to thank you for uh, tuning in and listening this morning. 
I trust that the Spirit of God has worked in your hearts wherever you are. We know that there's been uh, several that's tuned in and <clears throat> from states, from California, even to the east, and we thank you for calling in. We do apologize our phone line for those that attempted to call in by telephone. Uh, the conference center, I guess, had a shutdown and it's not working, probably at other churches as well, so we apologize for that. But those of you that have called in on this live stream video, we thank you for doing that. We, we count you all as part of the church. Uh, as far as announcements go here at Cornerstone, the way it's looking uh, through the next week, we will probably be doing the same type of service next Sunday morning at 10.30. You can hang on to these instructions and the live link that you have. Um, if things change and we decide to have a collective service, we will be notifying those of you of our congregation by email. Otherwise, plan on tuning in at 10.30, uh, March the 29th on Sunday morning. Just a couple other brief announcements for those of us in our congregation here at Cornerstone. Um, <clears throat> we do have a scheduled men's breakfast this coming Saturday morning, and Clem and I are in discussion about that. We will let you know for sure about that. That is a, a typically a smaller gathering, and uh, it's not been called off yet, but we will get with you. Uh, one other very important young Hallie Miller's birthday is today, and we were told to announce that. And um, sometimes we sing. I'll, I'll probably not sing to you, uh, Hallie, but we do pray for you, and we're, we're glad that you're part of our congregation here. And we trust that you have a good, happy birthday today. Uh, as we dismiss, I just want to encourage each of you, uh, especially in our congregation, but all of you that are listening, as we go through these times where we are in, instructed to keep our social distancing, I would compromise that by saying, uh, pick up the phone, call each other, text, email, use the technology to try to stay in touch and try to uh, stay unified as the body of Christ, even though that we're in our homes more. Um, try to communicate, pray often, pray for each other. Don't forget to read your Bibles every day. Very important in these times. And we trust that you all will have a good week as we conclude this service and we dismiss. May the Lord bless you.